Hi, everybody, and welcome back to I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings, the podcast where we talk about every Nicholas, every Nicholas Cage movie so that you don't have to. I'm your host, Steve. Uh, joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Hannah Martin. How are, Hannah, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. We had to take a bit of a reprieve from recording these podcasts due to some technical difficulties. Yeah, we definitely had some technical difficulties. Um, And then it was also Labor Day. So we're hoping that two episodes kind of go up in a row um, with, what was it last week, Racing with the Moon? And then this week, which we are going to talk about... uh, um, God, I already forgot the name the of the Cotton movie. Club. The Cotton 1984. Club. Holy hell, I already forgot <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, real quick overview for the movie. It well, is, first, yeah. let us know if you hear an improvement in audio yeah. since we had to buy new microphones. Yeah, these are all <laughs> that new. That was mi- part of our technical difficulties. These are all new microphones. Um, I'm hoping it's not too loud or too quiet compared to our other episodes. I don't, I don't know. I'm new at this. So, um, you know, bear with us. Uh, let's see. So, a quick overview of the movie, um, and also this is going to hopefully be a pretty quick episode because, um, well, one Nicholas Cage really wasn't in it that much, and two, I have to catch a plane in about an hour. Yeah, so. Hannah's gonna <laughs> Hannah's gonna be literally in the air in about two hours, so <laughs> so we're gonna try to breeze through this um, for your listening pleasure. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, um, this movie came out in 1984. It is another Francis Ford Coppola movie. It is set in the 1920s, late 1920s, early 1930s. Uh, Another period-type piece, uh, Roaring Twenties into the Great Depression. Nicolas Cage plays basically the protagonist's brother, uh, protagonist being played by Richard Gere. It's a mob movie. Yeah, it's a little bit about mafia movies, uh, a little bit about the mafia, I should say. (laughs) It's not about mafia movies. It's it's, It's about the mafia. It's kind of about mafia movies. I don't know. With... So it's a Coppola movie. Right. Let's yeah Yeah. spoil that for you. Yeah. So we'll 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 get a little bit into it later when we get into the scenes and things like (laughs) that. Um. So Hannah, do you have some of the uh, reviews, some of the IMDb scores, that type of thing? Let's see where they fall with the rest of the things that we've seen so far. So IMDb is showing a six point five out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes is a seventy five percent. Rotten Tomatoes seventy five. Okay, so it's pretty middle of the pack from what we've seen so far with Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Rumblefish being the highest on IMDb, and then uh, Valley Girl and Fast Times at Ridgemont High being the highest on Rotten Tomatoes. With what is 82. Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert, he's like one of the best known film critics. Oh yeah, totally. I knew that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what anyway. does Roger Ebert say about this movie? Uh, four out of four. Really? Mm-hmm. Four is a weird rating system for a movie. I think the stakes are either really high or really low. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. But he gave it four out of four. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, good I for Roger Ebert. I wonder what the criteria is to get from a three to a four. Like, is there a rubric or something? There has to be at least four nude scenes. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't think there. <laughs> no, were there four nude there scenes wasn't. There one. wasn't any in this one actually. So <laughs> that was a nice break, I guess. Uh, so one of the ways we like to start this podcast is Hannah talks about. Um, uh, a story going on. What's going on in Nicolas Cage's life? Maybe about how he got the role. I think we know how he got the role nepotism as always um his great uncle uh giving him a role so what do you got for us this week any good stories nothing specifically so uh, there's a really fantastic article that came out in 1986 so once we get to whatever movie that is Mm -hmm. i'll dig deeper into that article because it's got some gold in it (laughs) but i was looking at this article to see if he talked about cotton club at all and he doesn't really he more talks about like working with his uncle so i can share some of that he says 
I love working with Francis, Cage said. His philosophy is that if you're going to gamble, then gamble with everything you've got. He loves taking chances, and so do I. And his talent is tremendous. Of course, like every other director, he has made some bad choices. I once asked him if a genie gave him a wish, what would it be? And he said to possess the ability to always make the right decisions. Well, from what we've seen, Francis Ford Coppola has made two pretty wrong decisions. <laughs> Not that this movie was that bad. But, but he made The Godfather. He made The Godfather, of course. I mean, come on. But <laughs> Rumblefish was, whew, that was something. Although he said it was one of his favorites, right? Yeah. From so memory. I guess by 1986, when this article came out, it says like of the seven movies that he has made since the time of the article, two were made for his uncle. Mm. So at least we don't have to deal with any more Coppola movies for the foreseeable future. Oh, okay. So this is the last time he was filmed by his uncle. I don't know if that's the last time. I just mean until 1986 when oh, this God. article was written. This is the last Coppola movie we have to watch. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So unless you have any other stories, we can kind of get into the movie and go Nicolas Cage scene by Nicolas Cage scene. No. Um, the only thing I have to say about the movie is that it's actually going to be re-released. Oh, in October yeah. in the theaters this year in 2019 yeah, yeah. in October um and once we get a little bit more into the plot we mm-hmm. can discuss like why Francis Ford Coppola decided to re-release it now and what changes he's going to make to the editing to make it more relevant I guess to today right, right. but I mean it's kind of cool like if you think this movie sounds interesting you don't have to watch it on a very legal way that we did i mean come on we would always watch a movie very legally um but you could see it in the movies <laughs> you could pay to see this movie just just not ass- that we didn't pay just assume that if you can't get it anywhere on streaming that we got it from the library totally yeah. all these movies so far that we've gotten we have gotten from the library <laughs> which library will never sell <laughs> tell <laughs> um all right so let's get into the movie here uh like i said uh, i think i mentioned it earlier so the lead actor in this movie is richard gear uh he's joined by diane lane james remar so some people might know james remar from um dexter he's the the father in dexter who comes back in flashbacks he's also in some other kind of random tv shows and stuff he pops up uh now and then um of course nicholas cage and then he wasn't really credited at least not in the opening credits but uh larry fishburne lawrence fishburne makes yep. another appearance so this is so a- two movies with lawrence fishburne nick cage and diane lane yeah was lawrence fishburne in the same one as diane lane weren't they all in was it rumblefish rumblefish i don't remember i think so <laughs> that was like two weeks ago and i don't remember yeah because definitely okay. that's the movie they were in Ah, I think we watched a lot of movies. (laughs) It's six. (laughs) We're getting to a hundred. You're like, this is oh god. God. Okay. Um. So yeah, like I said, it's uh Harlem in 1928. So I am terrible at history, and I immediately asked Hannah. I was like, is this the Roaring Twenties or the Great Depression Twenties? So it's just before the Great Depression. And, yeah, I um, mean, most of the 20s wasn't the Great Depression. <laughs> right. Since the Great Depression didn't hit until, what, like, October of 29? 29, yeah. 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 So, so it's so, safe to say that it was probably the Roaring 20s. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was a roaring time. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's based, it's like a historic place. The right. Cotton Club was a real, whatever, music club mm-hmm. back in that era, jazz club, I guess you can call it. 
Yeah, definitely. Seems like some, maybe some socialites were there and then also some mobsters. Yes. So yeah, the, the movie kind of centers around uh, Richard Gere and James Remar. So James Remar is a uh, mobster, the Dutchman, they call him. And he stumbles upon Richard Gere playing the trumpet or what, what was the instrument called? Corn, coronet. Coronet. So it's like a small trumpet. And then they also called it... A bugle. A bugle. Yeah. So I think they're all confused about what type of instrument. I'm confused, that's for sure. <laughs> so he stumbles upon this musician and he's like, I want this musician to play for me at all my parties and stuff like that. And then we kind of go from there. So he calls uh, uh, Richard Gere over to his table and Richard Gere, the women immediately follow, including Diane Lane, the women immediately follow Richard Gere over to the table and somebody just goes... He's got the Midas touch with the broads. And so this the was what a, touch? the Midas touch. What does that mean? So King Midas was the king. Oh, Anything Midas. he touched turned to gold. Got it. Yeah. I thought you meant like M-I-G-H-T. Mightest. <laughs> the mightiest. Like, like, no, like like maybe. Oh, he's got the maybeest touch with the women. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> that is really stupid. Um, so this whole movie, I, I said to Hannah right before we started recording that I was going to make some type of joke, but basically this whole movie is, what are you, some kind of wise guy? Yay. I'm from New York. This is New York here. All of them talk like that. This is, what are you doing? It's New York. So including our boy, Nicholas Cage, oh, talks yes. like that. So the first scene we see him, it's pretty early on. It's a few minutes into the movie. Um, so his name is Vinny or something. He's Richard Gere's brother. So he's not really playing like a best friend, but he's playing his brother. And uh, they're in a diner, and he starts singing about, he's like, ham and eggs and ham and eggs, or something like that <laughs> as they leave. So that was pretty weird. And uh, we don't really know 100%. He definitely improv that. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> that wasn't in the script. Oh, I hope so. Um, yeah, so they're kind of walking down the street, and he's like, yeah, I'm getting jobs with the Dutchman. So we find out that Nicolas Cage is working for this mobster. Um so let's see here we go into so we're about to go into their apartment their brothers they live together i think they still live with their mom because as we discover much later in the movie i think everybody's supposed to be like 16 years old which is really weird no 19 right yeah but they said we're not even 20 yet at the end of the movie and it was (laughs) was 1931 (laughs) and the movie starts in 1928 so they're 16 years old so i guess they're they're living together with their mom and um, impressive trumpeting for a 16 year old absolutely great musician and um so yeah they're walking into the the apartment and nicholas cage goes i got big news i got married and then he does his na- uh classic nicholas cage laugh um then it's great because i guess richard gear has been away for a while and he goes in nicholas cage goes in and talks to his mom and and his mom's giving his fiance or his wife crap about like, oh, put some clothes on. Why don't you put some clothes on or something? And Nicolas Cage is like, oh, what are you talking about? There's a there's a rat in the house. That's why she's not wearing clothes, which doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> but he's like, I told you to put the traps out. And then he goes, I told you, here, take the traps. It's behind this coitin. <laughs> behind this curtain but he pronounces it coitin like suddenly he has a new york old-timey accent everybody goes in and out of accents in this movie it's like i play the trumpet and also a little bit of the piano what do you want me to play for you sometime (laughs) it's It's all behind the coitin it's behind the coitin um so that was pretty fun so because james remar is super into uh, uh richard Gere, he sends somebody to go pick him up from his apartment to go play at this party right 
and to hire like a personal musician like a pers- to just yeah. always play music wherever he goes exactly. <laughs> essentially exactly so who does he send to go pick him up what was the actor's name <laughs> God, I forgot about this guy. So they get in, they get in the car, and it's suddenly like a Bond movie. It's suddenly like a spooky movie. This guy, he's like a villain. He looks like what did we say? He looks like an angry fish. He looks he looks like he's been dead for a week and a half. Pause right now and look up Julian Beck. Julian Beck. So another funny thing about Julian Beck is that he was 59 during the filming of this movie. He, he died looks, a he year looks later. About seven, like 743. He's, he's like a thousand years old and he died a he year He died in later. 1985. He does not look good for 60. He looks so bad. He looks horrible. He's terrifying. He's terrifying. Hannah goes like, what's the name of that guy in the Avengers? And I'm like, the Red Skull? And she, she's, he looks like the Red Skull. I think I said the dude who protects the stone yeah. on the death cliff. Yeah. So, so he looks like he could protect a space stone called the death on the death cliff. That's what this guy looks like. But so their conversation. He looks like he is... A, physical manifestation of the death cliff itself <laughs> so the, that mixed with like a fish somehow he's got this big old bass mouth look at him. oh my god we're looking at a picture of him he Holy looks shit. horrible and that miami vice apparently miami vice okay so they're the conversation that they're having is hey so what's your name he's like i don't have a name wait hold on what Oh my god, in IMDb, you know how like, I don't know, either like the person themselves, if they're not famous enough, writes like a biography about yourself. Like I have Mm -hmm. some friends who have been in like extras and movies and I asked them like what happened on IMDb and they said they like wrote it about themselves. And then once you get famous enough, I guess like some a fan or like a publicist or someone like that writes about you yeah. this is what is written about this man i'll give it to sorry us. I, this isn't about nick cage at all but, but this guy's so this guy weird just looking. really touched okay were so, you gonna say this guy touched me yeah <laughs> but in like the worst way. <laughs> um okay it says a bold innovative avant-garde figure and then it says that he was an odd-looking sort with his baleful, hollow eyes, stark and skullish features, and near-bald dome capped by long fringes of stringy hair on the side. Well, they're goddamn right. That's how... But, like, that's this man's legacy. Like, he died a long time ago, and this is how he's remembered. Absolutely. <laughs> skullish features and stringy hair. All right. Anyway, I don't have a lot of time, so let's get back to the movie. Yeah, let's get back to it. Um, yeah. So let's see here. So they're, yeah, they're in the car, and he's like, "I don't have a name. I I don't have a mother." And then later we find out that this guy's name is just Saul. It's Saul. His name is Saul. <laughs> um, let's see here. So they're up at the party, and Nicholas Cage is there, and it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm working for the guy now. He's working for the Dutchman." Um, so then Richard Gere and the Dutchman are in a separate room and and the Dutchman's arguing with another mob boss and the Dutchman just like slits his throat and then suddenly it went from a Bond movie to a Tarantino movie. There's yeah. blood all over the walls. There's <laughs> it was blood really, all over really, everyone's really face. Really gruesome and graphic. Really weird. Um, so let's see. The next time we see Nicolas Cage is they actually go to the Cotton Club. So I'm not really 100% sure if the Dutchman owns the Cotton Club or not or I if he just so. frequents there. I yeah. think he's just a, yeah. 
He just frequents it. So, yeah, we're at the Cotton Club, and they're on their way in. It's Nicolas Cage, his wife, um, Richard Gere, and their mother. And Diane Lane, who is his mistress now. Uh, well, Diane Lane's there, and Diane Lane is the mistress of the Dutchman. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, not Richard Gere's mistress. Right. 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 So there's a there's a bit of a love triangle between the three of them. Um, but so we see Nicolas Cage, and he's really being an a hole as he goes into the club. He's like walking up, saying hi to people who don't even know him. He's like walking right up to the stage and being like, "Hey, this guy, I love this guy." And then it's <laughs> like nobody knows this guy, and he does another one of those ha-has. Um, he drops the N-word, right, in Too this scene? Too many times. Well, he drops it once in this scene. Oh. <laughs> but there's another scene later that he drops it like a thousand times. Um, so at this point, and I noticed last week when I was editing this podcast, I say, um, a lot. So I'm going to really try to limit that. Anyway, moving forward. Um, uh, next time we see- <laughs> I just did it. I just did it. God damn it. The next time we see Nicolas Cage is, so now Richard Gere is like working fully for the Dutchman. So they run into he he runs into his brother on the sidewalk and and I guess Nicolas Cage gathered some money somehow for the Dutchman and he's just giving him a bunch of money and the Dutchman's like ah oh, thank you you're beautiful you're beautiful um I did um again god damn it I hate myself <laughs> next we see them it, this is the scene that we're talking that we were, that we just referenced so I think we're back in the Cotton Club and somebody goes to Richard Gere hey your brother's here he wants to see you. And they ta- he goes out to the car, and he sits in the car next to his brother, Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage is grazed. He's, got, he's been shot. So that's a great line, this scene, where get, we get really excited because Nicolas Cage goes, it's just a grace, it's just a grace, and he's doing his classic voice. It's perfect. <laughs> and then he drops the N-word like 10 times. And then suddenly, Nicolas Cage, the next time we see him, is like a montage of him shooting up bars full of like, Black people with a Tommy gun. With a Tommy gun. So suddenly it goes from a uh, Bond movie to a Tarantino movie to like a race war movie, and it's yeah. all about racism all yeah. of a sudden. So going back to what I was saying earlier about how oh, this yeah. movie is being re-released. So I don't know. Like halfway through the movie, I kind of asked Steve. I was like, "What is this actually about?" And I think you summed it up pretty well. You said something along the lines of, "It's just the different experiences and relationships." and relationships with each other, I guess, that all these people at the Cotton Club have. Yeah. So there's musicians, and then there's these mobsters. So part, like, the most interesting and entertaining part of the movie is all the entertainment at the Cotton Club. Mm -hmm. Like, there are some really fantastic dancers and singers that are performing, and two of those people, well, most of the people are Mm African-American, and Gregory Hines is, like, the main guy What's the name? The Sandman. Sandman Williams. Sandman what a Williams. cool name. I think what Coppola wants to do with this movie is when he re-releases it, make it more from the perspective of Gregory Hines' character. Yeah, there is a lot of like, um, you know, them fighting back about around racism and stuff like that. So uh, I, it does make sense that, and he was, is he the second build, Gregory yeah, Hines? Yeah, so it, it could go either way about who, who could be the lead. They just spend a little bit more time on Richard Gere and Diane Lane and, and their relationship. So I think that's kind of why he gets first build. But it could easily be switched around so that you focus yeah. on Gregory Hines. So I'm sure, th- so from what I read about it is they filmed enough footage that was edited out that they can kind mm. of pick some, it's like a new oh, director's cut. Oh, It'll okay. just be a new director's yeah. cut where 
focuses more over Sandman's character, which honestly would make the movie more interesting, I think, because yeah. I thought his plight was more interesting than Richard Gere's. Like, Richard Gere wasn't really fighting for anything. No, no, yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, so the next time we see Nicolas Cage is, well, there's a there's that montage of, of the race war, and he's shooting up people, and we see a nice close-up of his face really briefly. Uh, then we go he had like a maniacal look. Oh, very it maniacal. Great. It was it was very like uh, best of times when they zoom in when he's clicking <laughs> yeah. the lighter, or it's very like uh, racing with the moon. I was thinking in um, Home Alone, what is the fake movie that they watch? Like the mob movie that he's watching that he puts oh, on. Oh, so yeah, I forget the name of it. The robbers. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah, and then with the Tommy gun, like yeah. that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it reminded there me there are of. a ton of tommy guns in this movie and in fact what is that movie called towards the end of the movie we see uh one of the williams brothers kicks a gun out of james remar's hand and the gun goes flying out of the window and we see it hit the ground and it just shatters into a couple of pieces like it's clearly a plastic gun <laughs> they just have these plastic tommy guns what is the name of the movie angels with filthy souls angels with filthy souls and then in home alone 2 he watches angels with even filthier souls of course of course he does that's fantastic okay so the next time we see nicholas cage is it's a few years later it's 1930 and we're at diane lane's club so diane lane was the mistress for james remar for several years and her deal was that i'll be your mistress if you give me my own club one day so she gets it she's finally got her club in the middle of the great depression yeah um and and it's popping it's popping it's popping off pippity popping off pippity popping off as the kids say that's what the that's you know we're trying to really be relatable relatable thank you i couldn't (laughs) think of the word which is not good for being relatable so nicholas cage is there and he shows up to kind of the back he's in a hallway and he's like, I want to talk to the Dutchman. And he's like, he wants more money is basically what he wants. He said, I've been working for you for a few years. I'm out there. I'm risking my butt every day. I'm shooting places up. I'm getting shot at. I want more money. And the Dutchman goes, oh, you want more money, huh? And he goes, oh, yeah. And it's another really good kind <laughs> that of was moment. Good. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so <laughs> there's another great line. Because uh, James Remar, the Dutchman, he's, he goes, I'll give you I'll give you a raise. How about that? And he hands him a hundred dollar bill. And Nicolas Cage goes, You could take this one hundred and shove it up your ass. <laughs> and that's a great line. It was a good scream. Thank you. No, oh, I, for I meant him. from him. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nick. I took credit for that. <laughs> so Basically, what that means is that Nicolas Cage is quitting working for the Dutchman, but you can't just quit working for a mobster, so he has to kind of take some measures into his own hands. He's got blood on his hands. He's got to take some measures into his own hands, so he decides that he wants to basically kill or kidnap and exploit everybody in the Dutchman's crew. This is like the third tier plot of this movie, by the way. So we're getting really... This is not what the movie is about. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I just realized I'm explaining everything about Nicolas Cage. That's but fine. This, this is a Nick Cage podcast. It is. This is what the people come here to listen <laughs> to. This movie is about Richard Gere mostly. No, this movie's about Nick Cage. <laughs> it's not about Gregory Hines. <laughs> or Diane Lane. I, Francis Ford Coppola needs to just re-release this with <laughs> Nick Cage as, as, the, as the lead, the protagonist. And they should film him now as like a... How old is he now? Like Jesus. 50 or 60 year old. Yeah. <laughs> and just not mention it at all (laughs) so so he's standing in the rain and what he wants to do is he wants to uh kill saul that fish eyed (laughs) looking scary monster man and so he's gonna do a drive-by 
and these kids come up to Nicolas Cage right before he does the drive-by. And they're trying to sell him apples. And he goes, and he goes <laughs> scram! <laughs> I don't want to buy an apple, scram! And then he buys an apple. He buys an apple anyway. <laughs> and he's just munching on it. Yeah. And then so they they do the drive-by shooting, but not Saul dies, but then also those kids who are selling the apples die as well. So, so now he's known as like the child killer. He's the kid killer. He's the kid killer. He's on he the run. He murders babies. He murders babies. I think that was like a news... They showed a newspaper headline. <laughs> yeah, they showed headlines. newspaper article. Yeah. So what he does next is he kills Saul and he wants to kidnap this guy Frenchie 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 being one of the henchmen for the Dutchman the for the Dutchman the flying Dutchman the flying Dutchman so it's this big tall guy named Frenchie who's always hanging around with this shorter guy who Hannah said is that's probably the best love stories between these two. Oh yeah they love each other <laughs> there's a scene of them like peeing in the bathroom oh, at the same yeah. time and they're just like staring at each other while they urinate they're looking at each other's eyes while they deeply pee. yeah yeah <laughs> And there's like a two foot <laughs> height difference between them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, no, this guy Frenchie's really tall. I, I've seen him in other. It was stuff a real before. Home Alone situation. Yeah, yeah, with the, uh, with the robbers. Yeah, with Marv and Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah. So what Nicolas Cage decides to do is kidnap this guy Frenchie and kind of hold him for ransom, right? So he kidnaps him, and then the next time we see him is Richard Gere is goes to Nicolas Cage's apartment to give him the ransom money to get Frenchie back. And turns out that Frenchie was just kind of sitting casually in the living room like no big deal. But when Nicolas Cage answers the door to to greet his brother, what's he wearing, Han? Do you remember what he was wearing? Was it a wife beater? A white white tank top? No, it was pants, overalls, no shirt, towel around his Why neck. Why didn't I notice Why, this? What were you doing? <laughs> I was sha- looking at his face because it had shaving cream all over it. And he had shaving it. cream all over his face. Oh, also the only distinguishing quality between uh, Richard Gere and Nick Cage to make them look like brothers is they both have pencil-thin mustaches. Oh, that's true. They do have really weird mustaches. <laughs> I kind of totally forgot that they have mustaches. So he his shaving cream was like around his chin and his like j- j- jowl. <laughs> <laughs> his cheeks but not his mustache he was keeping the he keeping the stash <laughs> so then you did a really good impression of it but nicholas cage says i'm a tough guy now but it's preceded by a whole line of gibberish <laughs> it's just kind of just like <laughs> i'm a tough guy now it's <laughs> basically what it was <laughs> and it was like we just looked at each other like what did he just say <laughs> like what were those no words? idea so he's like i came here and then i went there and then the places with the, all the places and then the south north east west and i'm a tough guy now i'm a tough guy now <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do anyway so next time we see nicholas cage is now of course the dutchman's crew is after him Squad, um, squad, Frenchie, that short guy. They had a nice little conversation about how it was like, I can't believe my you only sent five hundred dollars for my ransom. You think I, I think I'm worth more than five hundred dollars? Like I, I sent five hundred thousand. I <laughs> sent five hundred thousand dollars, and then they like embrace. They don't embrace, but they, they might as well. Out. They made out. <laughs> they did not make out. So this whole time, you know, Richard Gere and Diane Lane are both trying to get out of this ties to the mob, and Richard Gere ends up becoming a movie star. He stars in movies as a mobster. Um, and then we also follow those Williams brothers. They end up breaking up because the one is chasing a girl and it's, well, I'm a solo act now. 
But then at the end, they have a nice little dance number where they kind of make up and they say they're sorry. And, and you know, Gregory Hines and, his, and whoever plays his brother, they're, they have really good chemistry on, on screen. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that we'll kind of mention here is, is Nicolas Cage's last scene because this is the first time we've actually dealt with something like this where Nicolas Cage dies in this movie. What? I know. So, of course, James Remar and the Dutchman are going to go after him. Um, they're the same person. James Remar and the Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> So, him and his alter, alter so, ego. Yeah, so uh, I think <laughs> so the short guy who's always hanging out with Frenchie, he's got this obsession know. with drawing horses. I forgot about that. So he calls. He's like, he's like <laughs> illustrating. He's Yeah, he's always drawing I'm, horses. I think he's like a horse sculpture. He's, he's like the male horse girl yeah. of the 1920s. <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, he's drawing a horse and he calls Nicolas Cage. And then... Nicholas Cage answers in some phone booth or something, and while they're talking, he gets Tommy gunned down, and there's all this blood dripping out of and the screams, and of course a good scream, a great Nicholas Cage scream, and yeah, that's it for Nicholas Cage in this movie. So yeah, the movie kind of uh, ends with a lot of people dying, a lot of people getting shot. Uh, James Remar gets got. Uh, like I said, I, I made the note. It was at the end of the movie where where the where the gun hits the ground and it breaks into a bunch of little plastic pieces. So it's like they're clearly using fake Tommy guns and stuff like that on set. I thought that was kind of funny. We also find out late in the movie that Diane Lane and Richard Gere are talking to each other in the years 1931, and that's when Richard Gere's like, "You're not even 20 years old yet." And it's like, what the hell? And, this but, woman owns a club she's a, she's she's a business owner i know it's great she a business lady she's a business lady. business business <laughs> so we did the <laughs> we did the best but also i mean diane lane was 19 during filming of this movie and yep. she looks yeah you know, she's lot, one year older. younger than nick wow look at that but yeah so that's pretty much it uh, at least as far as the nicholas cage goes in this movie uh questions questions for you would you ever revisit this movie? Would you ever go back and watch? Probably not. Yeah. Would you ever show it to anybody? Would you ever recommend it? No. No, me neither. It was it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was yeah. like a mob movie. Yeah. We were saying, um, you know, we didn't really enjoy Rumblefish, but at least it had like a more interesting plot or yeah. know, a more unique plot, I guess. Yeah. This is kind of just any it's a other standard mob mobster movie, movie. Yeah. Except with music, which was really entertaining. The like, music was great. I, I might go I probably won't, but <laughs> I might go back and like find clips on youtube of some of like the songs and dances they were good yeah yeah some of them were really good especially from sandman williams he was uh, gregory hines yeah he was, he was really, really good. good tap dancer yeah so many people knew how to tap dance in this movie it's not they definitely hired tap dancers no, I it's know, not like they it, hired people and they were like oh my god you can also tap dance <laughs> <laughs> But there was a i'm scene. sure the casting call was for people who could tap well dance. yeah of course but like there was a scene where uh great uh uh, Williams, what? Uh, Sam and Williams. He he's with his woman, and he goes into another club, and he goes. She I was want... also great, and she was great, a really good singer. And she and he goes, I want you to marry me because you're the club owner. It's like being a captain on a ship, and uh, and then everybody just breaks into dance inexplicably. <laughs> so, like, did they you also to... made the comment that? Huh. Uh, Sandman and his brother were tap dancing together and I think you said something like you just can't look sad when you're tap dancing it's really hard to look sad tap dancing people Everybody always looks look happy like they ever, it's they, a happy dance absolutely they're always looking like they're having such a good time I want to learn to tap dance now that's what, you, that's what Steve got from that's, that's that what I got your out of this. takeaway yeah that's what that I got you're out gonna of this. go pick up tap dancing classes <laughs> absolutely. tomorrow absolutely
You're going to New York, right? Yeah, I'm going up to Harlem tonight for work. Yeah. I'm going to go check out the check Cotton Club. Check out the Cotton Club. Club. <laughs> Pick up some tap shoes on the way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do some awards. Nicholas Cage Awards. So the most, uh, or I'm, let's start with some of the, the weaker ones first. So best dressed, I think, is kind of an obvious. We talked about it. Unfortunately, I it completely, I, it over, wow, I can't talk. That's okay. I did not notice it immediately. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Otherwise, it was like he was in a cheap suit for the first half of the movie and then a nicer suit in the second half of the movie. Yeah. Other than that. So really not much to go on there. Uh, worst Nicolas Cage scene. Which one did nothing for you? There's a few that it's like, you know, he's outside and he's giving Dutchman the money and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that one. Done. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I got to catch a plane. I got to get to the airport. I'm calling an Uber now. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the next one? So the uh, best Nicolas Cage scene. I think... When the Dutchman comes to pick up Frenchie, and he's wearing well, Richard Gere comes to pick up. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, when Richard Gere comes to pick up Frenchie, yeah, and he's wearing the overalls and he blabbers on in gibberish and then has a nice scream. (laughs) But I don't know with the the van, but I'm a tough guy now. Yeah, (laughs) okay. All right, yeah, that was pretty good scene. That was probably the most Nicolas Cage we saw. What do you mean? Like the most? um... You know what? I'll change. Mm, like what? I'll change my mind. Okay. I think my f- favorite was behind the coin. Oh yeah, behind the coin. And then the most nouveau shamanic was that scene. Okay. Yeah. Because why did he have shaving cream on his face? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of inexplicable <laughs> behavior. <laughs> yeah, a few weird looks and stuff like that in that as well. And then um, we kind of briefly talked about the scream, um, but best. Nicolas Cage scream. I like scram. Ooh, scram was good. It wasn't as loud as like the take the 100 and shove it up your ass. No. I also liked him dying. I mean, I, I think we should probably yeah. just give it to that because that we... was like, that was a true scream. Absolutely. And, and it uh... was a good scream too. Like he oh, sounded yeah. like he was in pain. Right. And I was in pain watching and listening to it. <laughs> so it worked on all fronts. Absolutely. All right. Well, where does this movie rank? Last week, we yeah, determined let's... our ranking. So our first five movies go as follows, according to us. Racing with the Moon, Best of Times, Valley Girl, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Rumblefish. I think I'll put it in between Valley Girl and Fast Times. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Valley Girl, I remember not liking, although I didn't really like this movie either. Yeah, but we got way more Nick in Valley Girl. We did. We did. We got no Nick in Fast Times. No. Okay. All right, great. Well, so what are we watching next time? Do you have it up there? I think it's Birdie. Is it Birdie? I think, I think it is. Let me look. I made the mistake of reading the synopsis of Birdie Holy last week. Holy shit, it looks so funny. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it's it. It's not a comedy. I don't want to spoil it now. <laughs> um, but Birdie, just don't... If if you're really into this podcast, then don't spoil it, and we'll talk about it next week. But uh, it's going to be a weird one. It it's might, Birdie. It's Birdie next week. It's Birdie. Holy hell. Another movie made in 84. Wow. This okay. man made three movies in 1984. Jeez. Is this the third one? Yeah. Okay, so Racing with the Moon was And then after that, the next one is 86. So oh, oh! I, I thought he never took a year off. I thought so, too. Hmm. Well, he was filming them yeah, that's during true. that year. That's I mean, he made, on, yeah. he made two in 86. Okay. So. All right. So Birdie next week. Keep Birdie. Your, keep your eyes and ears open for that, I'm ladies so and gents. And then Peggy Sue got married is in a few a few episodes. That's um yeah 
that's pretty famous. Racing yeah. Arizona. That's and then a notable Vampire's one. Kiss. I cannot <sighs> You're wait You're pumped for, for Vampire's I'm Kiss. I'm so excited because I've watched some of those compilations of him screaming yeah. on YouTube, um, which if you haven't seen those, definitely definitely take a gander. But, for sure. Um, one of my favorite screams is in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to be on the top of our list for a while after Vampire's Kiss, I'm sure. Yeah, we should... um. We should rank between the movies as well, like best scream after mm. we're, after well, every ten maybe every ten yeah that's a good okay. idea yeah. and then reevaluate sounds good oh we can have like a um <laughs> a bracket a bracket for screaming <laughs> let's let's do that in March <laughs> okay March Madness yeah bracket for Nick yeah Cage it's screams. it's currently mid September oh, that's so, so exciting yeah all right in six months we'll we'll get at you with the bracket oh my god think about how many movies we've seen by six months from now. Christ. I mean, hopefully we're getting close to, you know, National Treasure or something. By right, then. right. Yeah. Or Face Off or something. Yeah. Yeah. The 90s. Right. We're going to be stuck in the 80s for a while. This man just. He doesn't know when to he quit. He doesn't stop. And that's why we love him. God bless him. God bless. You want to sign us off? Let's sign. Let's sign it off. All right. So now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. All right. Got to go to the airport. <laughs> <laughs>